almost all discussion on racial issues in America are gospel-less conversations. They are void of the very thing that brings unity. American citizens should look at kingdom citizens to figure out how do all these people from all kinds of different backgrounds live and love and worship under one name committed to one king. It is because we are kingdom citizens. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. We've all probably experienced some level of shock and dismay as we've watched countless news reports of violence related to racial tension in America. And in our efforts to understand, we've heard panels of experts and news correspondents debate and discuss the problem of racism. As Pastor Trent has just said, Most of these discussions have fallen short of identifying the root causes of racism or in offering a gospel-centered solution. Today, we continue in the Kingdom Citizen series as Pastor Trent challenges us to view the issue of racism through a biblical lens and to understand how being a kingdom citizen transcends nationality and ethnicity. Here's Pastor Trent. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we are kingdom citizens, and we're going to see this morning from God's Word how God describes those of us that are kingdom citizens. If you were here last week, we began to see that we are dual citizens. If you're a citizen of, of the United States of America, there's some responsibilities that go along with that, but even greater responsibilities and privileges of being a part of God's kingdom. We saw in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 last week, this statement, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, welcome, citizens of heaven. This is earth. And as long as you are here, you will be constantly clashing with other kingdoms. So uh, last week we learned about how we live in the land in between and we're homesick for heaven. And yet we know that it is through kingdom citizens that God's kingdom shines to the kingdoms of this world. So I want us to see here in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, some descriptors of these kingdom citizens. There are five of them, and we're going to kind of unpack them over the course of the next four weeks. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 2, 9. But you, kingdom citizens, are a chosen race. Everybody, underline the word race in your Bibles. If your neighbor is not underlining that word, just reach over and underline the word race in his Bible. And by the way, if you haven't yet picked up the tension, I want to create it right now. We are going to talk about race this morning in church because God has some things to say about race. We as kingdom citizens are described as a race, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his, for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. 
How many of you remember that season of life? Remember when you were not a people? You didn't have a people group that you belonged to. Your citizenship was not yet in heaven. Once you were not a people. But he says now, as kingdom citizens, you are God's people. And once you had not received mercy, remember that stage of life, how miserable and lonely and fearful it was? But now, kingdom citizens, you have received mercy. So we have an identity that is set apart from every other racial identity that you may belong to. Now, I am going to take a risk in church right now, okay? What's our theme this year at church? What is it? Be bold. I'm about to be bold right now. I'm about to take a risk. I want to uh, let you know at the beginning of this sermon illustration, no one will be harmed or injured in any way, okay? Or embarrassed for that matter, all right? Now, I, I watched you coming in this morning, and I just kind of took a glance at those that were here, and I noticed there is a majority race, that kind of represents this congregation, all right? Now, uh, we want to kind of find out who, who's here, not to embarrass anyone in any way, but um, if you can really describe yourself no other way than, I mean, how do you even talk about these things in church? Um, Anglo-Saxon, I was told with somebody by somebody with a sociology degree, that is the proper term for white people, Trent. You can't just call people white, all right? So if you are a person that would be described as Anglo-Saxon or Caucasian, or you're just white, all right? Um, if that's you, now by that I mean this. I'm not talking necessarily about the color of your skin. I am talking about, I just don't know of any other way, there's no slash in my descriptor, I, uh, my mama's white, my daddy's white, all my grandparents are white. I mean, we don't have any German or Korean or Asian or American Native Indian. We just, I don't, we just, we're from Indiana. Uh, we're just, if that's you, okay, did I describe that group? Okay, if that is you, would you just stick your hand in the air right now? Just stick your hand in the air. I just want to look around. I'm not looking at faces. I just kind of, this is, it would, is this the majority? Okay, this is the majority, if you would want to call that a group, a race. Now, really quickly, if you're not in that category, just lift your hand in, in, in the air real quick. Just real quick. Just, just look around. We just kind of want to see numbers and numbers. I mean, you've got something of some other ethnicity in your background. Okay, I want to say a word to those of you who are other than the majority. I just want to acknowledge at the beginning of this message that some of you have scars in your past related to racial discrimination. You may have been belittled, or you may have been oppressed. You may have been denied opportunities. You may have been disadvantaged. And I want to say at the beginning of this message, I... I acknowledge that is a part of your history. And this message is to help us all. The second thing I want to say to those of you that are other than white is this. That's not going to happen here. You are loved. You are valued. And you are welcomed 
as kingdom citizens, we are a chosen race because of our identity in Christ, because our citizenship is in heaven. We have a racial profile that transcends whatever may be part of your ethnicity or cultural background, okay? And I also want to say to some of you that are white, Most of us have no idea how to even comprehend some of the injustices that have been a part of the history of those in that other group. David Platt says it this way in his book, Counterculture, which, by the way, you can pick up out at our resource center. He says this, the body of Christ is a multicultural citizenry of otherworldly kingdoms. And this fact alters the way that we live in this ever-changing culture. Let me tell you a little bit about my background, okay? Um, I grew up in, in a very interesting town. The town is Lawton, Oklahoma. It's about 90 miles of, uh, southwest of Oklahoma City. And when I was in high school, I remember reading an article in the USA Today that listed the top 10 most racially integrated cities in America. My hometown, Lawton, Oklahoma, was number four, okay? And so every morning, I had a friend that came by and picked me up at school. He was about a year older. He had a driver's license and a car, and he was a friend, and he, he drove past my house. He picked me up, and my friend was a six-foot-three, very athletic black friend with the most amazing afro 1984 that was ever invented i mean it was awesome and so there we were on our way to school when i got to school i stepped into my classroom there was five white guys and five black guys and there was about 15 20 others that were just a mix of Everything, okay? So Lawton, Oklahoma, the reason why it was so racially diverse is right outside of Lawton, there's an army base. It's a big artillery base where basic training is done. It's called Fort Sill. Has anybody ever been at Fort Sill? Anybody? Yeah. Every, Every congregation I go to, there is someone who has been at Fort Sill. About four weeks ago, I was in Cleveland, Ohio. I was preaching at our Harvest Bible Chapel there. And um, I mentioned in my message that I was from Oklahoma. Before the service, right behind me where I was sitting, uh, there, was a, there was a man, and I just felt like I knew him. I just like, I, I, he just looked familiar. And, and just like, I wonder, I wonder where that guy's from. Well, in my message, I mentioned I was from Oklahoma. And so the guy said to me after the service, he said, you said you were from Oklahoma. And the guy says to me, um, I'm from Oklahoma. I was born in Oklahoma. I said, where were you born? He said, Lawton, Oklahoma. I said, where did you go to high school? Eisenhower High School. That's where I went to high school. Where did you go to college? Cameron University. Cameron University. Now, the reason that I felt like I knew him is because he was Japanese-American. And everybody in Lawton, Oklahoma, other than the few of us that were white, had some slash American ethnicity to their names. So there were a lot of Hispanics because we're close to Mexico, Texas. There was a lot of native Indians because it's Oklahoma. There was a lot of black guys and and, and white guys and these GIs, they would be stationed or deployed to some other part of the world like Korea or Japan or Germany and they would fall in love and they would bring back their bride to America and they would have babies and the babies would show up in my classroom. And we were all just kind of there. We were just this big melting pot. And so um, 
it was just, it was really, it was not a thing for me. I didn't know that people from different ethnicities didn't always get along because some of my best friends, I didn't even know what they were and I really didn't care and we didn't even talk about it. It was just like we were just all one together. Now, I moved from Lawton, Oklahoma to go to graduate school in Memphis, Tennessee. One of the most racially divided cities in our country. It's where Martin Luther King was assassinated. And all of a sudden, I realized that, that we have some issues. And those issues have continued to this day. Even to this day, American citizens are absolutely baffled why, by the racial tension and the racial divide and the race riots that we see. Eight years after electing the first black president, it seems like it's even worse. And we thought that that was going to bring some unity, but it hasn't. And, and the reason for all of this is almost all discussion on racial issues in America are gospel-less conversations. They are void of the very thing that brings unity. American citizens should look at kingdom citizens to figure out how do all these people from all kinds of different backgrounds live and love and worship under one name committed to one king. It is because we are kingdom citizens. So the question is this, what do kingdom citizens know that Amer so many American citizens don't? And what do we have to offer to them? We're going to answer that question in three points. Here's the first one. Kingdom citizens are a chosen race who view all other races through the lens of Scripture. We believe that God has revealed himself and, some, and revealed some things about his creation that helps us understand how we all can get along. So we need to define this word race. We see it here in the Scripture. Um, your version, the NIV, uses the word people. You are a chosen people. That's kind of a vague term. The King James Version and the New King James Version uses the word generation. It says you're a chosen generation. The English Standard Version that I preach from says you're a chosen race. The actual Greek word is the word yenos, spelled with a G. And from that Greek word, we derive our English word generation or genealogy and even Genesis. And it leads us to understand it's all about this family tree, this ancestry and this heritage that we've all received through multiple generations of God, um, creating babies and people multiplying and filling the earth in obedience to his command. If you look at a, a secular dictionary, so Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary defines the word race this way. It's a division of mankind. Even that part is not helpful. Um, it's a division of mankind possessing traits that are transferable by descent and sufficient to characterize it as a distinct human type. That's not helpful. What we're going to understand from Scripture today is this. Race is actually a human construct. It's something that, that even changes over time. Missiologists and, and sociologists that study these types of things, one of the terms that they use when they talk about race, it's a better term. It's just a people group. 
And missiologists have discovered there's about 16,000 different distinct, unique people groups on the globe. In my particular neighborhood, there are, there are dozens of people groups that actually live in the same neighborhood. I'm sure it's the same in your neighborhood as well. A people group is distinguished by their ethnicity, but another contributing factor is by language. And so 4,000 of those people groups have yet to even hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's part of the unfinished task that we have to get the gospel to every tribe and every tongue and every language and every nation. And so the great news about living as an American citizen, if you're a kingdom citizen, is those people groups are coming here. It is something that God has given us a great advantage of is they're coming here. I have a new next door neighbor. And, and as soon as they moved in, we got to talking and we, we just like, I found out they were kingdom citizens. And they prayed specifically that God would send them to the specific house that God wanted them to live in. And, um, and, and they didn't know it at the time, but they were moving right into the pa- to the next, to the neighborhood next to the pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel. So, um, um, they're, and they're coming to Harvest Bible Chapel. They didn't have a choice. Um, but, uh, they're, they're here and they're wonderful people. They're Korean in their background. And when they talk to me, they speak English. But when they talk to each other, maybe about me, they speak Korean, okay? And they're, they're, it's, it's, it's all a melting pot because of globalization and migration and technology. It's all mixing together. So even to talk about race is difficult. It might help you to know that these Korean Americans just moved here from Ohio. And Scott, Scott, my Korean-American friend, he, he, he was a professor at Ohio State University. See, now some of you just discriminated. Just some of you are racist right now against Buckeyes. I, I get that. That's what you need this message, okay? But he's now moved here. He's migrated here, and he's going to become a, he's a professor now at Notre Dame University. See, I mean, there's prejudice in this room right now that needs to be squelched, okay? Um, so, so here I have my, my Korean American Buckeye Irish <laughs> Indian, I mean, even the Irish Indiana. How do we even get that together, okay? So it's all a melting pot. It's all being blended together more so than it's ever been. So it's hard to even talk about these things. Here's what we need to understand. We need to ask the question, where did all these races come from? Where did all these people groups come from? Well, you have to go back to the first page of your Bible, and this is what you find. All people groups were made from one man by God. We all are a part of one human race. We all have one human ancestor. What was his name? Adam. We know about that from reading in Acts chapter 17. Now, this is a New Testament book. It's a history of the early church. And as God was trying to to get the gospel out to different people groups, here's one of the things that we learn as, as the apostle Paul was preaching to a different people group. He said, he, God, made from one man every nation 
of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. Do you know what that verse communicates to us? It is God who sovereignly and providentially controls, regulates, and governs the times and the places where people groups live. The fact that you live in northern Indiana is not an accident. And so whatever your place of origin was, that's a wonderful heritage for you to celebrate, and it should be celebrated, but here you are. And we're all in this together. And we share a time in history, and we share a geographical dwelling place together. And all of it came from our ancestor Adam in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so God created man. Now, everything that I just affirmed to you is being systematically picked apart in biology classrooms and philosophy classrooms, something called Darwinism, natural selection. Do you remember ninth grade? Do you remember this ninth grade? Natural selection. The survival of the fittest is the theory of evolution that competes with our closely held doctrine of creation. Now, those of you that want to be quick to throw out a belief in six-day literal creation and to try to make the first 11 chapters of your Bible allegorical, those of you that are quick to jettison that, can I ask you, what is going to prevent you from being a racist? Because what you believe about Darwinism is survival of the fittest. Might makes right. And Darwinism gives absolutely no motivation or obligation for one who is strong to reach down and help the weak. It makes you discriminate. It puffs you up when you have power. It oppresses you when you are not. Our belief in the equality of mankind is rooted in our doctrine of creation. But if you jettison that, what you fail to understand is we are all one race coming from one man that God sovereignly made. And we say, well, then where did all these different people groups come from? Well, it's not too far in our Bibles that we learn this. In Genesis chapter 10, verse 5, that after the flood and after Noah and his family came out of the ark, we read that from these, the coastland peoples spread. So even there, we have a distinction of people groups, the coastland people groups. How many of you would like to be in the coastland people group? You're a beach person. You want to hang out at the beach? You would have been great in the coastland people groups. My wife, I think, is in that. She's migrated here far away from the coastland. But uh, these coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with their own language, and by their clans in their nations. If you want a biblical word for different people people groups, the probably the best word is this word clans. 
The problem is, is ever since Genesis chapter 10, there has been a clash of clans. It wasn't invented as an app. Originally, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And so these people groups spread, and by God's providence and sovereignty, he regulated and governed all of it. And so then we see this. All people groups are image bearers of God. We read it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. That word image is very important. It tells us that man bears a reflection of God. Every man in every people group, in some sense, is a mirror reflecting the nature and the attributes of God. Do you know what that means? That God's glory can be seen and known by looking at people and people groups. Now, not all people and people groups have the same characteristics. That's why the more we know of all different kinds and types of people, the more glory can be revealed by God. If you are white, you are an image bearer of God. You are gloriously white. If you are black, you are an image bearer of God. You are gloriously black. Turn to your neighbor and say, see that right there? That is glorious. Everybody do that right now. See that? That is glorious right there. And if it's black, that is, that is gloriously black. If it's white, it's gloriously white. And all of it together bears the image and the reflection of God. Now, what we do too often is we want to find our greatest glory in our external characteristics. That is idolatry. To think that somehow the color of your skin is the ultimate identifiable mark of you, and you elevate that and glory that, and if, if you're white and somehow you think that you're better than somebody that's not white, that's idolatry. If you're black and you think that that's better than somebody that's not black, that's idolatry. Our greatest glory is found in not what makes us different. Our greatest glory is found in what makes us the same. And what makes us the same is this. We were imagined, designed, and produced by the glorious creativity of God to be reflections of the glory of God. And so we all have value, and that's the third thing, all people groups have value from God. As image bearers of God and kingdom citizens, we've been challenged to minimize the external qualities that make us different and to recognize the marvelous oneness and equal value we have in Jesus Christ. If we have been saved by God's grace and placed into His family, we now identify as God's chosen race, a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation set apart for the glory of God. 
Well, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you'll return next week for the conclusion of Pastor Trent Griffith's message, We Are a Chosen Race. We'd also like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend worship services now on two campuses. Join us at our Granger, Indiana campus Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or at our St. Joseph, Michigan campus Sundays at 10 a.m. For more information and to learn more about our campus locations, visit us online at harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger, harvestgranger.org.